Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everyone. You're listening to Human to Human, the show that connects truths and bridges the gaps between our human experiences, one conversation at a time. I'm your host, Stacey Ike, and I'm so glad you're here. This episode's guest is Jessica Navango, the first documented Black woman to travel to every country in the world. Yep, I said it, every country. In this Human to Human conversation, we talk about the pursuit of freedom, radical self-belief, and love being the true universal language. And she's been everywhere, guys, so she knows. Before each episode, I give a few recommendations inspired by the conversation that you're about to hear. I share a song to add to your playlist and a book to check out. I also share a reflection question based on something that was sparked by the episode. So let's get into it. This week's song to put on repeat is Boomerang by Jadena. This week's read is Daring Greatly by Brene Brown, one of me and Jess's favorites. And with this week's reflection question, I really encourage you to put pen to paper. It is, what am I afraid of? We got to name it, y'all. Don't hesitate to leave your response in the comments or at stacyack.com. Now, let's get into this conversation with my girl Jess. My favorite thing about you as a human is your willingness to create the life that you want. And we talk about that. Like I've heard that sentence before, right? But when you see what somebody does and how that is actualized in their life, what that mm-hmm. is, what's the details in creating the life you want, how to be minimal in some areas, but eccentric and beautiful in other areas, how to be willing to say no to some things and then say absolutely in a drop of a hat. Like those are not things and skills that sometimes we first trust ourselves with and then train ourselves mm-hmm. in. And I just feel like you have an incredible combination of both. So I'm just really proud to know you to have, it's been exactly one year since we've met and hugged and squealed. I love that. I love that. I love it. I you mean, know, I like, like you're that's crazy. incredible. It was, like, it was love at first sight. Oh my God. Like that is so special to me. I was like, it's literally been, this would have been Essence Fest weekend. And the fact that this is when I'm talking to you, I'm like, okay, that really just got me like, really it felt just very special so i'm so excited for you to be here and thank you for doing this with me yeah thank you so much for having me i'm honored of course of course um i like i said i definitely got in tears yesterday because i was watching a video that i hadn't seen of you before and i wanted to make sure i was like okay i wanted to see this you know you did an interview with the four seasons and my sister was watching me watch it and I would have my headphones in. She's like, why do you look like you're about to cry? And I just bust out crying. And I go, Jessica understands why we're here. And I just start, it was <laughs> disgusting. But every emotion, I just felt like, I literally like kept crying and my sister's just like looking. She's like, okay, I'll, I'll Jessica, I'll look her up. Okay. And it just, cause I'm like, I'm bawling at your connection abilities and your understanding of literally why human to human is necessary and why we're here so I don't know where that started I mean I first want to talk about identity and being African in America and Mm -hmm. you know that just over I'm Nigerian American and so talking about your experience in the home but sometimes that doesn't always translate into our connections to get to know so many different people so I just want to talk about first that like translation from connecting in the home to connecting to the world Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, well, yeah, so I'm Ugandan-American, raised, born and raised in Detroit, Michigan by my very Ugandan parents. Um, and they introduced travel into my life at a very young age. And I also feel like they never put boundaries up for me. So anything I wanted to do, um, they let me do it. So at the age of three, I started doing piano. Um, Then I did ballet and tap and softball and basketball. And I played the clarinet and then I played the drums and I did pre-engineering program, summer programs. And I just did everything, you know, just everything. And, you know, I was a spoiled brat. And there's definitely some drawbacks to that because whenever I want something, I truly believe, number one, that I deserve it, and number two, that I can get it, you know? And I think part of being a spoiled brat is that. Like, I'm like, no, I want it. No, I want it now. (laughs) And I don't know what y'all are talking about. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And I'm going to turn that no into a yes, because sometimes I had to do that with my parents. I remember I um, I wanted to go to FIT, Fashion Institute of Technology, and my mother was like, fashion is a hobby. And I was like... 
was like, well, I'm going to New York, so I'm going to go to St. John's, and I'm going to study English literature. How you like that? Hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I majored in English despite my parents. Yeah, um, what was that reaction like? Like, was it a thing, or were you like, at the end of the day? Well, they definitely were like, what are you going to do with an English degree? And I was like, I don't know. I don't care. You won't let me go to FIT. I'm still going to New York. And this is what it is. Any more questions? Yes, absolutely. Um, That's sort of where I was. And to be fair, like, I'm the baby. So I feel like I was really able to, like, put my foot down. I'm the oldest. That is like, sis, what are you talking about? Like, very different reaction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, I really just feel like the way my parents raised us and sort of just threw us out into the world, we traveled a lot. By the time I graduated from high school, I'd been to seven countries and just all of the access to like different types of people through all of my extracurricular activities. I played tennis, all of those different things, I think taught me how to connect with people who didn't look like me. Um, and people who maybe didn't have the exact same interests as me, but we had one thing in common. And so I think in that way, like thinking, I'm actually reflecting on it right now. I think that really taught me that you can always find one thing in common with someone, no matter Mm -hmm. how different they are from you. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, I think that we, not, I think, I think I know based on being in America, based on how we are socialized, we've had this conversation before that we are socialized to have biases, we are socialized to be fearful, we're socialized to be so one, you know, and it's like, what does that actually even mean? Do you feel like a lot of the connections you made overseas and all over the world was because of religion, you know, um, racial, you know, identity, or were those things that we, we know here in America to be those actual commonalities or was it something completely different? For me, it was definitely not religion, because I'm not very religious, and it was definitely not race-based or gender-based, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's, it's interesting, because I recall when I went to London School of Economics, I did my master's degree there, uh, I remember having a birthday party, and it was at this spot I liked, Big Chill Bar in London, and it was because I liked the DJ that night. And I remember some of my black friends being critical, saying that I was um, trying to appease my white friends because I picked the place. And I was like, whoa, one thing you need to know about Jessica Nabongo is she doesn't try to appease anybody. Jessica does what Jessica wants to do, in particular on my birthday. Exactly. Yeah, so I got criticized because at LSC, a lot of the black people there felt like I wasn't spending enough time with them but I was spending a lot of time with people who were in my major and there weren't a lot of black people that were in my major. So that's all it was. So for me, um, there wasn't always that gravitation towards black people. Not that, I mean, all my friends, like the vast majority of my friends are black, but I never would befriend someone or feel a connection with someone simply because they're black. That's just, that's just not a thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. So I know you love this question. And so I want to make sure I ask you this question. What makes you happy? Uh, I do love that. Um, my freedom. You know, I, I dealt with mental health issues for a long time, depression specifically. Uh, and because I found that ordinary life never interested me in high school and college. Like, and I really struggled because of that, because I had what people perceived as success. I had really good grades. I got a really amazing job straight out of college. I was having all of these experiences, but I was still quite unhappy because I was trying to fit into the world in the way that I felt like or was socialized to believe that I needed to fit in. And I just don't like it. Um, And I didn't like it. And so for me, my happiness is in my freedom. And what I did and what I continue to do is chase that freedom. So for me, that means working for myself because then I can work on my own terms. I wake up when I want to wake up. I work when I want to work. I don't work when I don't want to work. You know what I mean? I work from wherever I want to work. I do everything, anything that I'm doing, it's only because I want to do it. And even sometimes my mom, like she, we had a barbecue for Father's Day and she's like, oh, can you do this and this and this? And I'm like, no, I'll buy all of the food. I don't want to do that, but I will buy all of them. I love you. Know? This must be a part of also being the youngest. I'm like, that is amazing. And then what happened after that? <laughs> oh, no, and you God. know, she, 
But the thing is, my family knows me, so they don't expect me to do anything. So I ended up like cutting up all the vegetables and then barbecuing the vegetables and really getting into it. And everyone was right. like, oh, look at Jessica <laughs> actually doing something. So I've like, I've created it in their mind to expect nothing from me. And so anything- If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's. Thing that I do, it's like a benefit. It's a bonus. <laughs> I love that. To 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 really, again, like deciding what makes you happy and then acting on what makes you happy is so different. That takes mm -hmm. so much. I feel like just trust. I don't know. First, I think it takes a lot of practice. So, can you talk about the practice the of this is what made me happy. Nope. This is what like the reminder of going back to what makes you happy, and then I'd love to expand that to how you. Can, how you remind yourself that even through mental health moments because we all have mental health that's something we yeah. need to normalize more and more physical health you know we we talk about that everybody gets the physical everybody gets a checkup but we talk about mental health in such a different way and I feel like it's changing now but I really appreciate that you brought that up because I think it's just so important especially in 2020 yeah for sure I think for me like I was depressed for so long and then somehow I got my foot on the first rung of that ladder to get out of that hole. And I got mm -hmm. out and I was like, I like it here. I don't want to yeah. go back down there. Right. And so I'm very, I'm very careful, right? I'm like, I don't want to rock this boat. So like, if there's someone who comes and I don't like their energy or it's triggering me or I feel a kind of way, I'm like, oh, you got to go. Like, no, you know, and I don't, I don't feel like I need to explain myself to people. Um, and, and by putting up those boundaries, I really have just created space in my life to make sure that I'm always happy and that I, I am primary. You know, I, I spend my time with people who I know love me, with people who reciprocate the love that I give to them. And I walk away from people who don't. And yeah. I've just learned that I have to be very deliberate about my happiness. And I think a lot of us are on autopilot. You know, for a long time, I was on autopilot. But I think that's really where the practice comes in. It's about being deliberate about the choices you make, all of the choices you make, mm -hmm. and, and understanding why you're doing every single action that you're doing. Understanding, like, for example, my home, my bedroom. This is my bedroom behind me. And, like, it was so important for me to cultivate a space of joy, of love, of positive energy, and to sleep in that, and to wake up in that, and to, you know, exist in this space. Yeah. So I think it's about understanding what breeds happiness in your life. Yeah, yeah, and being willing to actually go after it. Like, oh, that's yeah. the most part, the most part that I'm It feels good, though. You know, it's once you have it, you're like, this feels great. I want more of this. Right. And, but, but even in that, I, when you mentioned, you know, I want to make sure I'm working for myself. I want to make sure I'm free in that. There's a lot of, you know, I'm sure that's a common sentiment, but finding, especially in entrepreneurship, finding the, the tenacity to stay in that is something that I'm like, okay, so in those moments, how do you stay? Ooh, that's a really good question. I think I have learned the art of letting go. So I've had so many experiences where I've lost thousands of dollars yeah, in dealings yeah. with other people or, you know, something didn't come out the way that I want or whatever. And so there's two options. I can be upset and wallow in it and let it fester and just yeah. be in that. Or I can like acknowledge my anger <laughs> or my annoyance yeah. in that moment and then get over it. Cause I'm all about control the controllables. If this person ran off with my money, there's nothing I'm gonna do to get it back. Yeah. So the burden of that anger is something that I'm not interested in carrying. And that's really what it's about because you have to remember, sure, maybe that person got away with some money or whatever it is. Carrying that burden is not harming them. It's only harming you. It's only stopping you from moving forward. So I don't want to let anyone else control my emotions. Yes. We feel so um, obligated to our anger sometimes. We feel so obligated to our 
okay, I'm mad. I'm up. Stay mad. We feel so connected to it for some reason. And the fact that you just said that, I'm like, that is literally the art and the skill of letting things go. I, I don't know. I mean, that's a, I, I think that's also part of the socialization. I'm wronged. I feel bad. I'm mad staying in that. But again, like the fact that you just, you said that <laughs> y'all, I don't know. I hope they listening. Cause you know, you know what I'm saying? Where we just feel so tied to like, well, I want to stay mad because this happened. And you know, the other thing, I can't remember what book it came from and I really need to figure this out, but it's also releasing the desire to prove to someone else that you're right. That is something I still work on every single day, but you have to be okay with the fact that perhaps that person doesn't feel that you're right. You got to let that go. Right. That's a really big thing. Mm, that's for so sure. That's so good. You talked about, um, you know, the ordinary life not being for you. Do you feel like the ordinary life is the same everywhere? Like, what does normal even mean to you? Because the word normal in certain, you know, if we're in this country, if we're in America, we feel like everybody has the same normal. We're finding out, especially through COVID, especially through just so many different findings of the world, especially with watching America pay attention to other people, that does not exist. So I'm sure you learned that earlier, but is normal the same in a lot of places regarding the ordinary life or what people do around the world? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, so when I think of like ordinary, normal, those sorts of things, it's like the median, like what is the majority doing? That's what it is, right? We have outliers on both sides, but what, is, what are the majority of people doing? Majority of people are getting educated, going to get a job, working 40 plus hours a week, coming home, maybe getting married, having the family, da -da -da, doing it all over. Like that's what majority of people are doing. And I would say that's pretty similar across the Western world. Um, I think obviously in Europe, there is more of an emphasis on living as opposed to just working. Whereas in America, the emphasis is cl like clearly on working more than it is on living. So I think there's a difference there. Um, but I think for me, why I like visiting economically developing countries, so many countries in Africa, in the Middle East, and Asia, is because I find that there is more freedom with a lack of addiction to capitalism, with a lack of consumerism. I find more freedom. People have more time to spend with friends and family. You see people are less stressed out. You know, like I think like right now an image in my head is being in Kampala, and seeing all the Boda Boda drive, so Boda Bodas are uh, motorcycle taxis, and just seeing them, you know, talking on the side of the street with each other. Some are like laying on the motorcycle under the shade, and you know, sure, they're not even earning that much money, but they're really chill about it. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. there's so much beauty in that. Or sometimes, you know, I go places and people aren't matching, right? People's shoes aren't clean, you know, and there's not this emphasis on what you look like outwardly. I find so much freedom in that. So I think that's why I prefer to spend a lot of time in non-Western countries or countries where there's not a super emphasis on capitalism. Right. I love that. I love that. And so those experiences probably not probably to have a huge effect on your self-awareness right like everywhere you're going you're being challenged you're unlearning you're relearning you're looking at yourself differently what are those processes like that if there's anything specific you can recall but the the, the self-awareness journey is real and i don't know how how early you came into that i don't know if that was in the midst of traveling if that was way before you even started traveling if that was 15 but i think there's always that light bulb of like huh self-love is also self-awareness. And other than that, it's not real self-love. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, it came in my 20s, like the that beginning process. And I think it was, you know, growing up in America, in particular, um, as a dark-skinned woman, you know, it's hard. And I remember feeling like I wasn't beautiful because of the images we see on TV, right? And what people say, like, oh, you're cute for a dark-skinned girl. Oh, okay, I'm supposed to be ugly. You know, like, that's not a compliment. That doesn't make me feel good. Yeah. So all of those sorts of things. And I remember in my early 20s being like, this is all I got. Like, this is what I look like. I'm not getting plastic surgery. I'm not about to bleach my skin. Um, so this is it. Like, I don't want to make a commitment to wearing weave all the time. I'm look, I'm just going to do this. And 
someone will like it if people don't like it that's fine <laughs> you know and so it's like a lot of people are like oh you're so confident and while yes i am a lot of it came out of i'm tired of feeling bad about myself yes. i'm tired of letting other people make me feel bad about myself yes. so i'm just going to be who i am because that's all i got you right. know what i mean so right. that was a huge part of it and it's interesting because i find that a lot of the work and learning and unlearning that i've done abroad it makes it difficult being in the back in the american context right so i lived abroad for seven years and who needs an alarm in the morning when mcdonald's has sausage egg and cheese mcgriddles and a breakfast cut off ba-da-ba-ba-ba traveled a lot up until recently um and so being back in the american context it makes it difficult for me because i feel like my thinking is so different from a lot of my friends and from the mainstream way of life here and it's funny because i was saying to a girlfriend of mine just yesterday i was like i will never fit in I will never fit in in this country. It is yeah. literally impossible. The way that I think about things and the way I think about life, I will never fit in. Um, and you and I, we talk about Brene Brown a lot. And in Darren Greatly, she talks about the difference between fitting in and belonging. Belonging, yes. You know, and so while I, I will never fit in here, there are friends that make me feel like I belong. Yeah. And that's what's important to me. Yes. Is there something specific regarding your the way you think about something that you're like, I would like other people, specifically even in America or your friend group, whatever, to adopt this? Like, you know it's healing. You've experienced it outside. It has been a spiritual awakening for you. And you're like, guys, we've got to, you know? One major thing is that people believe that they are beautiful. That is one major thing that so many people truly do not believe. And of course, we all have insecurities, but it's like when I look at Instagram and I look at all of the accoutrement everybody has on them, it's like, what do you look like underneath all of that? You know what I mean? Like, sure, like wear a little bit of makeup, but when you put on a whole thing and your face looks completely different, right? like that makes me really sad for people or like you only wear weave or you see that you can only get ahead by using your looks or whatever that is. It makes me deeply sad. Like it may, it deeply disturbs me, even though it has nothing to do with me. I am deeply disturbed by it because I feel like, damn, people don't know how much happier they could be. Or like people don't know that they're keeping themselves in a prison you know, because we were talking, I was talking with my friend about traveling while Black. I travel a lot. I've been to every country in the world. So people are always asking me, where are the safest countries for Black people and things of that nature? And I'm just like, go where you want to go. Why are you putting that burden on yourself? Why are you putting that burden on yourself? We know how we got here. You know we know how we got here. Unfortunately, a lot of us did not pay attention while we were coming here because of the way the world is set up, the way education is set up, the way family sometimes is set up, the way pressures is set up, the way capitalism is set up. So I, I hear you so deeply, and it's just unfortunate because if you did not pay attention, you really, you really don't know how you got here. You're like, do I have these same thoughts? Do I believe in this? Why don't I think I'm beautiful? Why do I think I need all of these things to, you know, show up in the world? And as you said, it is very sad, but I guess I was just saying like, we know how we got here, especially the fact that you've left and seen so many other ways of life. You're like, oh, okay, I see why y'all messing up over there. <laughs> like, you know? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I'm, I'm always so grateful for the experiences that I've had and that I've had the opportunity to live abroad because I do see things quite differently. Yeah. And now sometimes it's like that weight of blackness feels heavier. Mm. And I feel like the weight is there because of white supremacy, right? And this white supremacist system that we all live in globally. Mm. That weight is there. In America, the weight is heavier. But sometimes because of like American propaganda, that weight is even heavier and i feel like black people are putting extra weight on top you know what i mean and so i just really want people to be able to find freedom That's how, what I can want they, how can people separate themselves from their limitations 
I mean, even especially now as the veil is really being lifted, but how can we do that? You know, the thing is, and it's going to sound crazy, and I feel like it sounded crazy when people started talking to me like this and I was reading books, but it's like, you have to believe it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. That's literally it. You know, it's funny. Um, J. Cole, a rapper I'm sure most people are familiar with, um, we went to undergrad together. And I remember him, this guy from North Carolina, he was on campus, he used to wear khakis and boat shoes and his little backpack because this was like Kanye days, mm. early Kanye days. And I watched his career grow and grow and grow. And I remember one time we were backstage at a show and, you know, now he's like playing arenas. And I remember saying to him like, damn, yo, like, this is crazy. Even when he played in Nigeria, I was there. And I remember like, just like, can you believe this? Like, this is crazy. And I'm like, how did you get here? And he was like, I could always see it. He could always see what was going to happen. He visualized it. You know what I mean? So you must believe it. If you don't believe it, it's not going to come. You have to believe it so much that you can already feel how you're going to feel when you get that feel how you're going to feel when you get the grammy when you get the number one hit when you have the number one album when you feel what you're going to feel when you get that interview that you've been wanting or whatever it whatever it is that like pertains to you and whatever it is that you want you have to visualize it and be in it and accept that it already is you know what i mean i love that and that's the only way and it sounds maybe it sounds crazy maybe it sounds like oh that's too easy but that's what it is. If you, you see interviews with a lot of very successful people, they'll tell you, like, I knew this would happen. I could yeah. see it. Yeah. When people ask me, how did you know you were going to get to every country in the world? I was like, because I just knew I, I why couldn't I? Why yeah. not? Yes, yes, you know, yes. it, it, and people are like, you act like it's not a big deal. I'm like, logistically, it took a lot. Financially, it took a lot, but I just did it. Why, why could I not achieve it? Where, what, what is the hurdle? The only hurdle is money. That's literally the only hurdle. Goodness. Other than that, and there's that's the biggest for so many of us. That's the biggest for, for sure. Yeah. For sure. But you find a way, you know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't have the money to do it when I started. I had no idea how I was going to pay for it, no. but I didn't stop and waste like five years planning and saving i just did it and i was like the universe will figure out what needs to happen to make sure i get to that finish line but because i believed that i could so i didn't have any concern it's like it's gonna happen i hope y'all are journaling um during this moment um just you know and if you just gotta write believe every day because i'm like what's her self-talk like i'm about to ask her in a second um there's that moment where and i think we all if you're paying attention again, and I feel like everybody on this, uh, that's paying, that's watching this is, you know, that audience. We have finding ourselves and then we have becoming ourselves mm-hmm. and the difference between that. And there's an intersection of, okay, I, I am who I am now, but I see who I'm supposed to be coming. I feel that I'm, I'm, I'm at that crossroads of like, dang, do I want to do better, know better, be more vulnerable, be more trusting, dare greatly, you know, ask myself the hard questions, or do I want to just, you know, stay? What is your, what is that experience like for you every time? And some, and sometimes we experience that every six months, every year, every five years, because life is constantly being a student. And also I think that's something we forget. Um, and once you realize that you're like, the pressure's off personally. Um, but what about, what is that experience like for you when you're in that moment of, okay, this is who I currently am and that's who I'm, that's my next step of becoming. Ooh, that is a hard one. Um, Yeah, it's really challenging because, you know, I've talked about being deliberate and um, in being conscious and aware of all of the choices that I'm making. And, And where I am right now is, at a crossroads of what do I want to do next? Sure, I'm capable of many things, mm-hmm. but what do I want to do? And how can I find value in what I'm going to do? How does that create value for other people? Because the thing is like, I'm not just living my life for me anymore, 
right? Like once you kind of become like a public figure, you need to create value, right? That's what it is. Like, of course you still have your personal life and you enjoy that and you do that. But I'm, I'm like being very patient with myself because I want to make sure that the next thing that I do, the next big thing that I do is something that I will love doing and something that provides a value. So um, it's really hard. It's like yeah. thinking a lot. It's like a lot of quiet moments. It's meditating. It's reading. It's chatting with people who know me well. Um, but I think the biggest thing is like really deciphering every opportunity that comes up. I got this from actually Lovey. Um, she has like five questions and going through those five questions of like evaluating every opportunity. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, and so for me, it's a lot of it's a lot of evaluation of everything and trying to figure out truly what do I want to do uh, that I will love and that can bring value to the world. Yeah, I love that. I love that. As as we continue to you know, experience not only just a racial, you know, I don't want to say it's like, I want to say like, it's all in your face. Cause low key it's, we've been here. Um, right. but what is that experience like abroad? You, you mentioned obviously not allowing it to stop you, not allowing it to make you feel any less about yourself, but were there any biases that you personally challenged and you also helped other people challenge in your experiences? Like there were once, you know, any specific country, any, any, biases that you kind of walked into and was like oh wow I that you know that was such a such a different experience than I thought it would be oh well I mean you know traveling as someone who's visibly African even though I have a U.S. passport that doesn't always help because people are always like is this fake and you know questioning me like I've dealt with immigration it's like I can't even say I can't imagine I just mean I wonder what on earth like you as a person were sitting there like is this fake? Like, what does that even take to make a fake passport, people? That's too much work. You know what? That. But also, like, a U.S. customs officer asked me for a second piece of ID one time because my U.S. passport wasn't enough to get me back into the United States. What? Yes. Oh, I like, wonder if you see <laughs> Yo, I, like, I mean, I can think, where did I have issues? Philippines, um, Tunisia, um... Uh, Pakistan, which was the most traumatic experience I had trying to get out of their country, they searched me for drugs. They used an x-ray to search my body for drugs. They groped my vagina to search me for drugs. Um, Most traumatic experience I had. Fiji, I had trouble. Were you traveling Mm -hmm. alone? I was. It was horrible. But you know what's so funny? Let me tell you about, you know, some say God, some say the universe, Allah, whomever. (laughs) I was in Pakistan alone and I had an incredible time Mm. and I went to this the border between Pakistan and India they have like this huge show and I remember seeing a black guy there but I couldn't like get to him to say hi so whatever so we were like circling around but we never like spoke right so I get to the airport they're going through my stuff it's like crazy and I'm upset. And then I see this black guy who was with his Pakistani friend, but his friend was Pakistani American. So he was like, oh yeah, they were giving us, give me, giving me shit too. And I was like, oh, crazy. So then we go through, like, they're a little bit ahead of me, but they're kind of like waiting up for me, which I thought was really nice. And then I had the situation with security where they like were groping me and I was so upset. And I was like on the verge of crying. I mean, I cried a little bit, but was like really trying to hold it back. And then they were there and I was able to talk to them. And it's like, and the only reason we connected is because we, but we knew that we had seen each other. Mm -hmm. And like, if they weren't there in that moment, I don't even know how I would have handled that whole situation emotionally. And like, I still get emotional now because it was so, it was traumatizing. But I'm like, the universe knew that I needed a soft landing place on the other side of that. So like they had snacks and they were giving me snacks and, you know, just having regular conversation and it took my mind off of it. And it was like such a beautiful, simple thing, but it was so something that I needed so bad in that moment. And that's what I say, like, 
when you believe in something, you have to know, especially if you're religious or spiritual or whatever, you have to know that this universal energy is protecting you, is watching you, and is giving you everything that you need every moment that you need it. This pandemic is terrible. It has taken so many lives. So many of us needed this moment. You know what I mean? For me, I needed this moment. I never would have given myself this gift, this gift of stillness. I never would have given it to myself. And so now here I am really truly reveling in the stillness. And it's like, yes, I'm, you know, it's terrible how many people have died, how it's affected people economically. Um, In my life, I needed it. And I know the universe gave this to me because I needed it, you know? Thank you for sharing that story. I'm, I'm, it's like, I'm so sorry that that happened, but I'm so grateful for those people, those men who stood in the gap for you that showed up in the way that they did. And I don't know if y'all still keep in touch, but that is like such a gift, at least to, to have been the complete opposite of what you were experiencing. Exactly. That's yeah. like, what do you think the actual universal language is? Love. Love is the only imperative. Mm-hmm truly love because out of love you have compassion yes out of love you have empathy and those are the universal truths so love is the very foundation of humanity out of love you have community um out of love you have children out of love you have everything uh and and that's the thing love it doesn't have a gender it doesn't have a race it doesn't have a nationality Um, It doesn't have a religion. It has nothing. Love is so pure. And that's why for me, as a Black woman, I can travel to every country in the world and find love in strangers. You know what I mean? Um, I I can be in Muslim countries and have men protect me. You know what I mean? Me, a woman, a stranger, and I can have men that's protect incredible, me. Incredible, like just listening to how that. Yes, that's so great. Yeah, it's, I mean that. That's all there is. That's all we need, and we need to get back to that. And yeah. and self love is something that we must have in all of that. Not just the love we're giving out, but the love we're giving ourselves. I feel like a big part of self love is also trusting ourselves. I mean, you've traveled to I think eighty eight countries by yourself. 89, yeah. Jazz, the skill of trusting yourself is evident in your life. I mean, that is not an easy skill. Like, I feel like, again, we are socialized to trust outward, trust our job, trust our friends, trust our parent, but we are not taught to trust ourselves. Mm-hmm. So can you give us a few, I mean, I'm just 80 not alone. I'm just really trying to like grapple with how wonderful like you see yourself. It and is like, places it like how we see you. <laughs> it's places I went alone, like Yemen, Pakistan, um, South Sudan, Central African Republic, places that are on the uh, UN or the the State Department's Do Not Travel list. Um, you know what it is? I believe in people. I think most people are good, point blank. Period. Yes, there are crazy people. There are sociopaths. There are dictators. There are all of those things. But the vast majority of human beings on this planet, what I call our neighborhood, I say the world is our neighborhood. Um, The fact of the matter is most people are good. So it's trusting myself, but it's trusting other people. You know, I'm, I'm texting someone who I don't know to pick me up at the airport. I'm giving you my passport details. I don't know who you are. Sure, you could rob me, rape me, maim me, but I don't believe you will do that. Why would you do that? I wouldn't do that. So why should I believe that you would do that? Um, And I think so, so much of that is trusting yourself is trusting yourself enough to put trust in strangers and allowing other people to support you, allowing other people to take care of you um, and believing that people are not interested in bringing you harm. So it's like trusting your own judge of character. That's really what it boils down to. Because when you're solo traveling, you're at the mercy of so many people. So it's not, I think it's less about like me and more about the trust that I'm putting into complete strangers. Mm, I love that girl. What is the last thing you forgave yourself for, for the first time? 
Sheesh, are you trying to? <laughs> I was not trying to get her, y'all. <laughs> but I do think that in the unlearning, you know, in the self-love journey, that that is so, so important, forgiveness within ourselves too. One thing I'm working on right now, and this may come as a shock, um, the negative self-talk mm. and handling myself with grace. So I meditate now. Um, it's new to my life in the last few months. And like I fell off and then I got back on. And it really helps me. And so sometimes I get upset with myself. Like, why are you thinking like this? You can't think like that. You need to think positively or the thing isn't going to happen, you know? And so it's like handling myself with grace and being kind to myself. I read something on Instagram, like talk to yourself the way you talk to someone you love. You know, and so I think it's really constantly forgiving myself for being not super positive sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. I totally get yeah. that. And I think like even in those moments, do we, you know, is the truth. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, this is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Truth is a truthful thing to identify. Okay, this is how I'm feeling. Just like you said earlier, acknowledging it versus wallowing in it. Because I think without with the wallowing, we're not actually facing it. We're just allowing that emotion to continue to drive, you know, keep the anger going, keep the self-talk being negative versus, okay, why do I feel like this? And really peeling back the fear. I wonder like, what kind of questions do you ask yourself when you're trying to get out of the negative self-talk? Like, are you looking like, okay, why do I feel this way? What's the next question? What's the, what are those challenging questions you ask yourself? I think it's like, why do you believe that? Is that a fact? Do you know it to be a fact? Mm -hmm. You know, I love the four agreements because it's uh, one of my favorite ones is never make assumptions. Is it a fact or are you assuming that that is a fact? You know, I think that's so important because we assume so much because we're trying to fill in the blank. Yeah. And we don't always want to ask the questions, right? So we're just filling in the blank. Like, oh, this must be true. Why? Why must it be true? Yeah. Did you ask someone? Do you know? You know what I mean? So I think for me, it's a lot of that. Like, like let's bring it back to facts. I'm, you know, I'm a very logic-driven person. So I'm like, okay, Jessica, let's bring it back to facts. Because facts are facts. Right. <laughs> the feelings are not facts. <laughs> yeah. Say that again. So we just remind ourselves. Feeling facts. <laughs> I'm telling you, if we, everybody get that tattooed on yourself. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, put it right here on the forehead. Like you, yeah. you have to each, look each other in the eye. Whatever you're feeling today, not a fact. Genuinely. Yeah. So mm -hmm. real, so real. Um, I definitely will be letting you go very shortly, but I just wanted to, again, thank you so much for being here. I wanted to honor your humanity. Even in these stories, you really get to see just more and more of who you are and why you are the way you are and why we continue are inspired by you. Your humanity is so beautiful. It's, it's open. And I think, again, there's this, vulner there's this fear and vulnerability that is a big part of culture. And the fact that you, I just feel like, I don't know, again, if you stripped that away at the self same time that you came into self-awareness or understood what that was or was that later on? Because vulnerability, I just think is is the more I understand it, the more beautiful it is and the more mad I didn't do it before. <laughs> but <laughs> I get it. I'm like, why weren't you telling? What, what, is, what is that? I don't know if you ask yourself that. Yeah. Question, it's interesting. I still feel like, if, first of all, I don't typically cry on podcasts, but um, I still, or in interviews, um, I still feel like I have such a long way to go. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. what still continues to sort of blow my mind is like how people react to me in these yeah. stories yeah. because it doesn't feel difficult, right? And I think sometimes we think vulnerability should feel difficult, but there are still spots in my life um, where it is harder for me to be vulnerable. But what I'm grateful for is that in these ways, I am very open and that a lot of people receive a lot from it because I don't like, I'm just, you know, I'm just relaying 
my way of thinking, experiences that I've had. And I'm just so humbled that so many people get so much out of it because it, it still blows my mind. Like getting emails and DMs and stuff, it still blows my mind. Cause I'm like, what? Like, I mean, I just told a story. Um, so I'm so humbled by that. And I think, you know, we're all a work in progress and there's still so far that I have to go, but I'm very humbled that I've um, you know, that I've created opportunity and these opportunities have come along for me to um, share my, my stories and that it affects people. And God, I'm tearing up too. Okay. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, I just like, I, I felt like, I was like, nope, mascara is uh, I was chill. Like it's chill. But truly, I love that you're like, let me get this little eye. Um, because it, as you said, vulnerability is, it's like, there is a journey to it. It's not like, oh, I'm saying, Jessica, you've arrived and thank you for being so perfect in it. I'm saying, thank you for being so open and willing within it, you know? And I, I just love that. And I don't know if you might, um, mind sharing, if you don't, that's fine. But you, mo you mentioned moments that you're still working on vulnerability. What are those moments? Oh, shit. <laughs> um, I'll share mine too, for sure. Um, I think for me, it's definitely in the space of romantic love. Mm -hmm. And I think truly like letting go um, and believing, right? Believing it's going to come, believing I can find that. Uh, it's been a challenge for me. Yeah. So yeah. that's where I need to be open and believe more i second that i feel like also you know the romantic space is definitely i think it's the hardest because you're the, the most naked and mm -hmm. i'm like okay cool i learned how to take my top off but i don't know if i'm ready to take you know <laughs> i'm just not sure you know i know my abs looking good you've had that you know there's more to this and that is Oh, that is and bad. I think also what I find difficult in navigating that space is that people make so many assumptions about you. And so people make assumptions about who you are in this space and assuming that it will translate into that space. And so it's like, how do I get through? Like, how do I like reduce the amount of assumptions people have? Like, you know, there's just for me, there's so much there that it, yeah, it's, it, it can be difficult. I wonder how to even answer that. It's like, how do you, because you know how to deal with assumptions. You know how to check your own biases, but we don't have the power to tell somebody else, check your biases before you come talk to me. Like we don't, you know, so it's like, dang, exactly. even in assuming people's are watching them assume something about you. Sometimes I like to play with people. I'm like, oh, that's fun. You thought that? This is going to be fun. I mean, sometimes it's a game because I'm, I'm not trying to teach you how to play yourself, but you already did it for me. So I'm just, showing you that that assumption of me was wrong by staying in who I am and being willing to to stay there as best yeah. as possible I think that's also you know just really I think another thing to add to that is like being willing to change in front of people is something oh, that I, I I find kind of, I find difficult because people know you as a certain way and they see you as a certain way and there's this as, as two black women sharing this space together you know we have this strong title attached to us before we're like five and you're like sometimes i'm soft sometimes i'm quiet and sometimes i'm crying so i just hope you're willing to be a part of all of those besides the cute right things. exactly and yeah. sometimes yeah i'm on top of the world and sometimes I'm lit, just like I told you, just like you thought. So it's like, here we are with all of these complexities of identity. Look at right. that, you know, exactly. it's not one way. Exactly. It's not, it's not. So I just thank you for sharing that. I really yeah. appreciate that because I also want people to really find the solidarity in we're all figuring it out. We're still all evolving and life really is about being a student and those vulnerabilities, I believe they open up at every sphere that life is saying hey here's your new chapter here's a new book here's whatever um here's a new person to teach you something and you have definitely been that person for me girl like i am from afar and near it's just it's i mean i truly was wailing yesterday i wish my sister could come in here and be like yeah girl she was it was a lot i was wailing <laughs> i just truly feel like you you just understand why we're here so that's really dope but before we end i just want to ask one quick question um or one last question if we were travel, we were traveling at this moment. Well, first, I'd just like to ask, how do you plan on tra traveling the rest of the year? Are you kind of just deciding to lay low? I know there are a few things, you know, under under your belt, but so, are you like, 
chill. Yeah. <laughs> Laying low isn't necessarily <laughs> my thing. Um, so I'm going to be doing a series of road trips around the United States. Um, I am planning to go to Hawaii to uh, hang out with a very dear friend of mine who lives in Maui. Um, but no plans to leave the country. Maybe Mexico. That could be cute. Um, but outside of that, no real plans to leave the country. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. And where would you like to be at this moment if, if you could? You know, it's so funny, my friend. So I, I love music and music for me evokes so much. So like two days ago, I was like imagining myself in Pellerino Square and Bahia and um, Salvador. Um, and then yesterday I was like in Havana dancing in the streets and drinking rum. Um, and yeah, I think one of those two places still, like there's such a beautiful energy in the people in both, um, Bahia and in, uh, Cuba. And I just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm longing for that energy, you know, that again, it's that freedom, the freedom that I find in the energy yeah, in those yeah. two places yeah. and, and like just people dancing and that's what I want I just want to be like outside in a square dancing I love that girl I love that and I can't wait to join you we going we're doing that oh, <laughs> like, let's go, let's go. so ready oh my goodness I love this thank you so much for sharing your time your heart with us and for just continuing to teach us to expand in as many ways as possible and to stretch as a human, um, celebrating you as a human and all of your humanity, girl. I love you, I'm proud of you, and I'm just, I'm grateful for you, so thank you, thank you. I love you, thank you for this. I think you're the only person who could do an interview with me like this, so oh. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. <laughs> I'm so honestly, I was like, girl, this is more of just like a, I mean, catch up, but also just a moment of love, honestly, girl. Like, and I'm so thank you for seeing it the same way I did. That that really means a lot. That really means a lot. Thanks for listening to the Human to Human podcast and this episode featuring a conversation with Jess. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe, rate, leave a review. And while you're at it, share the episode with somebody that you love or somebody that you like, as long as you share. Your feedback is appreciated and your thoughts are very valued. Stay connected between episodes at stacyag.com slash human to human, where I'll answer the episode's reflection question. You can also connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at one take Stace. I'm your host, Stacey Ike, and remember, we are not what we do. We are who we choose to be. So let's be curious. Let's be in community, be love, be support, and be real together. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's.